you can literally sit and choose which one of your animals seems to be more inclined to have that kind of a connection with you. And, and you'll find one, one animal might be a better partner for like an active-based kind of a connection and maybe you go running with that animal. Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Radically Loved. I'm joined by a very special guest today. I have been so excited to share this guest with all of you because um, she has really aided in my healing journey with um, the loss of, of Chucky and with healing with the other pups. So Nikki Cuthbertson is here. Nikki, did I just say your last name right? It's perfect. <laughs> okay, great. Because I, I, I love it. It feels so good to say it. I was saying it earlier and I'm like, Cuthbertson, I really hope that that's how you say it because I really <laughs> love the way it feels. Um, okay, sorry guys. Nikki it has been communicating with animals since 2002. She is a animal uh, psychic how do I even say this? Like you are an intuitive, you are a medium, you work specifically with animals. You have a background in Reiki as well. You're, you are just basically an overall intuitive guru. I don't <laughs> about the my, guru part. <laughs> this is my description of you because what you do is so unique and from the conversation we were having even just before we started, you were saying how you work with animals, you you work with um, horses in a very heightened state. So it's almost like this this heightened state of awareness, this connection that you have with animals has really allowed you to uh, fine tune this intuitive gift that you have. Yeah, it's very true. Um, and um if I were to go back in time, I would say I was a critical care nurse for 20 years. And I realized in those heightened states that are right before somebody is passing, there's energy that you can feel opening to receive this loved one as a soul to the other side. And there's also moments of such poignancy when um, people finally go into forgiveness and you just realize it's not worth it to hold a grudge when Basically, we have forever to work with them because they're on the other side, they're eternal. But while you're embodied, I think forgiveness is so radical and so liberating to be able to give that someone versus letting them go with a grudge. And I got to see a lot of forgiveness. And in those heightened states, when people are saying goodbye to a loved one, I started feeling beings on the other side in the room, welcoming them. And it was a gift to be able to be in those heightened states and 
then there's this way that I think for a lot of us, there's so much trauma. I think it's pretty universal that trauma is something that a lot of people have lived through. And those parts of our brain lock down and they freeze. And so when that happens, it's really hard to come into this heart-mind coherence. So when I teach about animal communication or intuitive development, or when I do my work, the number one thing I have to do is come out of any trauma, leave it behind and come into heart-mind coherence because that's what nature actually really craves. It, that's the balance that we crave when we're in the trees or near the ocean. It's that absolute coherent state where you can think and feel again. And what I really think is that when we go into trauma states, we stop feeling completely. We might feel some, but we stop feeling. And the animals are here displaying their emotions. And they don't use the language of words, they use vibration, they use energy. And lo and behold, that's the same way that your guides and your angels and your loved ones on the other side speak to us too. They don't use words, they use uh, symbolic metaphoric language in, in energy. And that led me to just believe like, oh my God, that the animals are doing angel work with us here on the planet. And so anyways, that's a long-winded answer. Oh, no, that's so good. I mean, I'm, I'm so in, obviously. Um, so I was fortunate enough to work with Nikki soon after the, the passing of, um, of my little baby girl, Shih Tzu, um, Chucky. And having a conversation with you was so healing for me I mean it really allowed me I mean I could get emotional just thinking about it obviously like we I had we had this entire conversation about um, just how I was in so much pain and to know that there is a frequency of energy of her and even of, of Chewy my little shih tzu that passed last year having be, having the ability to feel their love still be ever present and the words that you told me that were so like healing for for that experience where I felt this gaping wound in my heart really helped me move on with my life like it, it's it's really helped me come to terms with with what is and really opened my eyes and my awareness to everything that you're saying about just being more aware and feeling the presence of that love. And one thing that you said to me that really stood with me is the love that I have for my animals is eternal and it's still very present. And I think that's really having my awareness and my attention go to that instead of the feeling of loss or not having them here now really helped me continue my, my path forward. Right. So, so thank you still for that. I, I think about that conversation daily and I think about you every day and I knew that we were going to have this conversation here. And I have so many questions just with regard to how we can, because something that you said to me when we had our conversation was that you said, everybody is intuitive. Everybody can tune into that frequency. And, and I do believe that, but I want to know specifically with our animals, 
how we can be better dog parents, how we can be better communicators, how we can better listen to what their needs are so that we can continue this um, eternal love fest. Yeah, it's such a beautifully asked question. Um, There's a lot of layers to that. I think there's definite exercises and techniques that you can do A plus B, and then hopefully your intuition opens and you, you get a little bit of information. For me, I think it's so important to have it be a consistent practice to ground and quiet your mind. Again, for all the reasons we talked about, because when you can't come into the place of the witness, we tend to project our stuff onto it, onto the animal. And the listening that is required is not a a hearing through your your ears, like through the language of ears. It's more like your inner ear, your inner eye, but it's your heart. And it's not your emotional heart. It's your spiritual heart. And it's that place of Atman, you know, the soul that we're constantly trying to polish to get through the layers of our being and listen from that place. And that place is the same place that unifies all of life, whether it's a mountain range, whether it's your your Shih Tzu, whether it's a horse, whether it's the ocean or this beautiful desert landscape or an owl, It's, it's... we're all kind of grounded in the soul and the spirit through this sacred, I think of it as a chamber or vessel that holds our essence. So when I do animal communication, I pick up a lot about the personality, but I think what I'm better at is doing soul to soul communication. It's just kind of who I am. And I think every communicator works in a different way. But given that I work with a lot of animals on the other side and people on the other side, I kind of stand in that bridge in between realms. So understanding that what bridges you to these realms is the preface and the understanding that all of us are more energy than we are matter and more physical. It takes a while to get to know yourself as an energetic being. Mm-hmm. And so for, I think a lot of people, again, that's a different practice. I do a lot of yoga. I do a lot of dance. Um, I do a lot of hiking. So I have these movement based practices that help me really connect to being embodied. And I think that what happens a lot, especially with people with trauma is, and I did this too, for a long time, is that we go to the higher chakras to escape and not be in our body. And so, and animals are embodied. (laughs) They teach us about the practice of really being so embodied that you have a full body wag and they can't hide their joy. They can't, they're not going to be polite about it or go into shame. They're just going to display almost irreverently. They have no social construct to hold them back with shame. You know, they just let it rip. And I love that with them. And I think in our condition, in our society, we're so conditioned for what's proper and what's real. And we all have these definitions about and agreements about, you know, this is a chair, this is green, this is a plant and words are symbols. And so they're one step removed from frequency. But as you know, from your yoga history, Sanskrit, say, is a whole language that was based on vibration. 
So the whole practice is around recognizing signature frequency. And when you can recognize signature frequency, you can recognize your grandma on the other side. You can recognize your partner walking into the room with your eyes closed and recognize that you feel that you're not alone in the room or that your dog just came in. The way you recognize that is with that inner chamber of your heart. You sense there and you go into this heart-mind coherence. For me, again, I do a lot of meditation to help me quiet myself enough to recognize one, what belongs to me so I can take full ownership of it. And two, when you join with another being, your frequency amplifies and it expands. So the expansion is a way of recognizing that you've joined up with another being. Um, it gets convoluted because a lot of us through our time and we weave in and out of it in relationships, but when we're really codependent, it's really hard to know what your signature frequency feels like on its own without another woven into it. And a lot of us that are moms do that. A lot of us that are in intimate relationships do that. So the, the meditation piece is really just to help you get to know yourself again and raise that self-awareness. And from there, when you feel quiet, and again, you might not always be able to get quiet right away. So having a movement-based practice and then a meditation and then I just visualize my heart as this bridge of light and I connect it to the heart of the dog, the cat, the horse. I've done hedgehogs, <laughs> I've done dolphins, I've done all kinds of animals. And it's interesting, but for me, maybe not everyone, this is just maybe unique to me. I let go of being human. Like I really let go of my need to have to understand it through the lens of being human. And I let myself merge into the consciousness of canine energy. It's so different than being human or equine or feline. And I just let go of any expectation of how the answer is going to come to me. And I wait for it to find me. And I usually feel it through either an image or a feeling in my body, I'm super empathic. So it might be through an emotion. I might smell something or taste something. So it's all of your emotions, but heightened kind of like your third eye or your pineal gland on steroids. And, but I also think it's not limited to that. I think that we sense with all of us. I think we sense with our skin and our pores and all of us is one big living sensory organism that helps us connect with the energetic world. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What, what do you think is the main working with all of the animals that you have? What is the main message that is, is always wanting to come through? If there is one, is there a consistent theme? Yeah, it's love. They've taught me how to love. And I think that word is overly used in this culture and in this day and time, but love without conditions, without those boundaries of, I need you to be this way in order for me to be okay, or for me to approve of who you are, or for me to get ahead, or for me to have peace of mind, I need you to stay this way. And that's not what your dog does. They just do them and they love you no matter what you're going through. And I've really 
loved having that lesson. And it's been my biggest goal in life <laughs> is to love the way my animals love. And I, I really tried to raise my kids that way also, where I don't feel like there's this huge agenda of, like, I really believe that they're connected to their soul and their spirit. And I really believe a lot of animals too are connected to their soul and their spirit. And so I just find myself forever a student of life and just wanting to learn from them. And they teach very consistently about love. And I've also done some really, really deeply emotional readings where a few animals have come through with concern, again, based and grounded in love for their person, where their person might be considering suicide. And the love and the concern they have is, please help me to have this person either get help or to make a promise that they won't kill themselves. So there's these really beautiful ways that are so poignant of working with the animals in the way love can manifest in so many different kinds of concerns and messages, but the root and the essence of it is always love. Yeah. That makes me so happy because I am just so in love with my, I mean, you know this, right? I love my animals so, so much. And they are my gurus. I feel that they are just that essence of pure, unconditional love. Why do you think, I, I love what you said earlier about our condition and how we condition ourselves to not be that open or that connected because it's maybe unacceptable for us to do a full body wag when we're excited <laughs> to see somebody why do you think that happens and what do you think the effect is on us? Oh, I think it starts so young and I think it has a lot to do with trying to get us to fit in these little molds in the containers, you know, so that we can be proper in, in society and within the culture. And I guess we call it manners, but I think it in a lot of ways, our knowing is so exuberant <laughs> and, I, I love the idea of creativity feeding intuition because it's a place where you can really express freely. And I think that as I've learned to dabble in art and paint as medicine or have movement-based expression, I've had to work through a lot of layers of shame. It's really, it's so interesting. Like doing animal communication hasn't been so much about the whole vibration and listening and any of that is about letting go of my relatability to humankind and not going into shame or not going into a story about I'm crazy. Um, and I saw this really interesting, I don't know if it was a meme or where I saw it, but it was really short and to the point, but it said something like, you've never really dropped into your heart until you've lost your mind. And I feel like that's what I've had to do to do this work is I've really had to let go of reality or the agreed reality and feel into the vibratory quality of reality, knowing that not only the animals, but all of life communicates that way, including us. And I think my messaging is, is, is twofold. It's one, I really would love to raise awareness of animals as sentient beings and two, we have the gift of words. We have the gift of language. We're one of the only species that have that. 
I mean, birds sing. So, I mean, people could counter that. But with our language of words, I think we've gotten so far away from the way words have the power to be used. I think people blame. I think they shame. I think they gossip. Um, and it's not to dis humankind. I think things are changing. But knowing we have the power of words, I think it's so important to use our words to uplift and to bring blessings to people and to speak kindly about people and to sometimes the greater part of valor is to not speak and just listen. And I think listening is a lost art. Um, and again, it's the listening from the heart space where anything you hear somebody speak has a universal quality. It has a universal emotion that we can all relate to. And even if you've bypassed it in your trajectory and your maturity and your spiritual growth, at one point we were all there at some point. And so to, for me, the process of doing animal communication has been to let go of judgment. That's so, I mean, yeah, if you really think about it from a outwardly perspective, somebody might think, okay, how can you prove that you're communicating or how can you prove this, you know? And I feel like for some people that are skeptical or whatever, that's, you know, their way of maybe just coping with not knowing that maybe there are other things that they don't understand or things that they don't have access to. I've, for me, it's, it's always been a very strong belief that we have a very acute intuitive sense that our consciousness is this non-localized essence that we still I mean we have people that study the brain and they still don't know like how it works and different different functions of the parts of the brain and how the synapses go and yes we do know a lot but we still don't know everything so I feel like there is so much more to be discovered and when it comes to intuition as I said I I think that most mostly I think that the most important thing is to recognize how what role intuition plays in your life and it's a practice of getting to know yourself and understanding what you said earlier, your own frequency and your own energy so that you can then discern how to communicate with that greater essence of everybody else's individual consciousness, soul, unique frequency. Um, but it takes listening and it takes slowing down and it takes paying attention. Yeah. And I feel like that's the key element that's missing in a lot of today's society because we're so fragmented by putting so much stimuli in television, social media, consuming, consuming, consuming. It's creating this desensitization to all of those inner knowings, so to speak. Does that make sense? It does. And I have, I think, the same issue that anybody else would around this deep craving to have an overstimulated mind. And so I don't think it goes away. And I'm very much a student of everything. And so I find myself constantly wanting to gather more information about all my interests. And sometimes I work with it and I just accept that that's part of who I am. And 
Other times I just know that I'm getting into almost an addictive cycle with wanting to, like I'm using it because I'm actually resisting this letting down into this space that's actually calling me. And so I think even recognizing the difference between the two is important. And then the other thing is your, your intuition is kind of like your internal GPS and your animals are pretty much dialed into that. And you'll see them like they, they're super instinctual and very primal. And we have this other layer of our brain that helps us to maybe process and have more restraint than some of the places that they have an emotional feeling and they just need to transfer that energy to another, another being. And I see it all the time with all different kinds of animals. And there's been times where I remember when I went through a divorce, when my kids were really little and my, my middle son stood on a chair and he just howled and he howled at the moon. He just howled. And I remember thinking that looks like it feels so good. I wish I could give myself permission to release that way, you know, and I hadn't ever taught him not to. And so he just had these tools that were emotional that are very primal around releasing energy. So it doesn't have to be stuck in you. And so I think just working with, again, that layer of embarrassment or shame that can come up when you need to do some sort of release. And then to your point with science, I was so science-based for a long time. This is a very much of a quantum physics kind of a thing. Um, and it can very much be taught through that model. And I remember when I left nursing, I, I just remember thinking I had the feeling of like, I'm not going to hold back on my life because I need science to catch up with me and my intuitive explorations. And so I think at some point, it'll be really amazing how they meld. And um, I think they are. And I think more and more, there's so much information out there. Dr. Joe is amazing. You probably yes. heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza, of course. And I feel like he's so cutting edge with all these places that I lean and want to learn more and more about. And yet the biggest number one thing you can do is just listen to how your intuition works. I, I spent 10 years trying to develop it, working with different teachers. And I never felt like I was good at it only to learn that my intuition worked differently than my teachers did. Once I recognized that I took off, but I was so busy again, judging myself, I'm not doing it right. And I think that a lot of empathic people tend to go into self doubt and not have confidence. So the path through animal communication actually is what develops your confidence because you just have to speak, say, or write what it is you feel. And the only way to have it validated is by somebody neutral who knows the animal. Wow. So you have to have the courage to speak your truth and find your voice. Yeah, that is so interesting. That was actually going to be one of my questions is how do you how do you start like how do you develop that sense how how and and what is the for me I am that person as well I'm very um empathetic and I could also go into this well I don't know I think I'm doing it wrong or it doesn't feel right and and I can sort of uh diffuse the energy because I feel like, oh, maybe it's just I'm making it up in my mind or I don't know that that's the right thing, especially when it comes. Well, I guess when it comes to my animals, 
I've always had a really good sense of communication with Chewy, my my Shih Tzu that passed away last year. It was always surprising to Tori because I knew when he was hungry. I knew when he needed to go out. I knew when he wanted to go on a walk. I knew when he was ready to go to bed. Like all of those little things that he could just be looking at me a certain way. And I'm like, oh, he's hungry or oh, he wants this or oh, he doesn't have any water. Or he would get up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh, he needs to go potty. Like, I know that he needs to go potty right now. And it was always funny to Tori because I would say it and he would go and do what he needed to do. And, you know, some people could be like, oh, you just learned his um, his uh, routines. And I'm like, no, I was commu- he was communicating with me. I wasn't co- he was communicating with me. I could feel I knew what he wanted and he would constantly affirm that. So from what I was saying earlier is that I personally need that affirmation to know that what I'm feeling is correct. But I feel that that can also put you in a pitfall of needing the validation that what you're thinking or sensing is true. How do you get out of not going into that pitfall of needing that constant validation? Yeah, it takes a long time. I still find myself craving it, but I also just release the information as I get it. And one of the things when you were speaking um, that came really alive for me is when you had those, you know, maybe a cue from, from Chewy, but you didn't interpret it as a cue. What I felt inside of you was a, your knowing is connected to something kinesthetic and with your body. I, I feel that your intuition works with your physical body in a kinesthetic way. And I think what's important to know is you will have a, a very dominant way of communicating, whether it's empathic or kinesthetic or, uh, you know, smell, taste, all those things we described, the clear senses but your dog and your cat, your horse will also have a dominant way. And so you learn how to change channels until you're on the same wavelength and you'll switch through. But in particular, this thing with Chewy, uh, I really think is kinesthetic for you. What you knew, I feel like there's a little way that you knew it in your physical body as your vessel for knowing. And I don't know that you ever get out of self-doubt but what happens is you do have to use your imagination that's why this is a very creative language Mm. it's um if you don't tap into that and you stay linear some people are really good in that and they're mental intuitives you know and they're good at patterns and they're good at numbers um but the quickest way i know to do it is to free associate write just on paper just write without stopping and use that kind of tool as a, as a way of opening the language that's actually both sacred and unique between you and your, your animal. And you probably have a different way of communicating with Chewy than you do with your, um, your other dogs. And so it's a different language that again, it takes time to recognize what's being expressed and you do it by just taking the time to feel it. Um, I, I had this really cool experience where I was working with a, a gecko. Oh, not a gecko, sorry, a, a chameleon. 
and he was a well-known little gecko or chameleon. He had his own Instagram following and it was super cute. And so he, I had been dabbling with, with watercolor and just really in this hypnotic mesmerizing way, just watching colors bleed into each other the week before. So I start talking to this chameleon and the way he's expressing his feelings is these colors that are bleeding into each other. And it took me a moment to figure out and just go, duh, Nikki, he's, he's a chameleon. <laughs> you know, that, of course, that's how he would communicate. But I had only really done, you know, a more mammal kind of kind of communications. And once I got his language and I let go of the self-doubt of his emotions were this blue going into this green fusing into yellows and that these were emotions for how he felt as he was passing. And I felt that I could actually translate his emotional story in relationship to his, his disease process. And then it, it switched again. So again, this is like, I let go of being human. Um, I saw him with a paintbrush and I, I said, you know, it's so interesting. I keep seeing him with a paintbrush in his hand. And I don't know if it's because the, his colors, you know, merge and roll into each other or, or what it is. And she goes, oh no, he literally had a paintbrush. Like he used to paint. We used to put paint on a paintbrush, put it in his hand and he would touch his little paintbrush to paper. And we would save all his little paintings. And that was more of a standard kind of, you know, image based kind of communication. But I wouldn't have got that if I didn't let my mind like dissolve and get super soft and let it bleed and blend into colors to feel his emotion first. So the other thing I think is it's really hard to work with your own animals because you know what their favorite toy is, you know what their favorite food is, you know where they like to sleep. It really helps to just practice with somebody else's animal and then have the human validate. And the more you get the validation over time, the doubt goes into the background, especially once you recognize how your intuition rolls. For me, it's a black and white movie that starts scrolling. When I see that, I know that I'm on, I know that I'm kind of logged in and I've got my password and spirit is talking to me. And I'm both communicating with the animal, but I'm also open to my guides. So I'm getting information in both, both worlds from both realms. How do we fine tune that sense? Like what are some things that we can do for the people that are listening that are more curious about opening that part of their energy? They want to be more intuitive. They want to be able to trust their, their intuition. What are some things that they can do? I love what you're saying about, I know that you said dance and yoga and movement, but there is something to be said about having the sense to know when, like you said, the movie starts playing and you have the password and you're ready to go, but to have the discernment to know that that's happening for somebody that has no experience and no, uh, no key, so to speak, to understand that they're in that space. This episode is brought to you by Tonal. Currently, I'm on week two of a four-week program with Coach Jared on Tonal. The fact that I could take an entire four-week program with a coach is kind of wild. 
I was never the person at the gym that worked with a trainer. I was always so intimidated. That's one of the reasons why I love Tonal so much. There's so many programs on there. You can even practice yoga and meditation, or you can customize your workouts or build your own workout via the Tonal app. Plus, I love the fact that it's in my home and I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to drive anywhere. And even those moments where I don't feel motivated, I know that I can do a quick five to 10 minute program. I know I'm going to sleep better and just feel so much better about my day. Tonal is a smart at-home gym that replaces every machine in the weight room and has personal training programs built in. It's got a sleek design and it looks like a TV on your wall. No bulky weights or racks and up to 200 pounds of resistance. And as I said earlier, having a coach-led workout has made all the difference. Try Tonal today for 30 days risk-free. Just visit www.tonal.com. And for all of our listeners, you can get $100 off the smart accessories when you use the promo code Rosie at checkout. That's www.tonal.com. Use promo code Rosie. And thank you, Tonal, for supporting this show. How do you feel into that space? And then how do you, what sort of practice can they do? Um, so a couple of things come up. Your creativity and also your intuition, which for me is really hard to separate out between the two. It has for me, a, um, a tangible feeling. And I think it's that feeling when we start feeling awe and wonder or a little bit of something, a little mystical, you know, when you're kind of really intrigued by something and you're just captured and you're mesmerized, there's a feeling to that. I look for that feeling in my, in my being. And once I feel it, I feel like, okay, don't grasp in a way that chokes the life out of it, just stay present. So you're really cultivating presence by doing the work and presence has a, a feeling and you know, when you're in that, it's very much that feeling um, that I call like a liminal state. It's in between waking and sleeping and sleeping and waking. You're just in between worlds and that has a feeling and it usually has a softness to it and a diffuseness to it. Um, and the way I started doing it, besides the automatic, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. No worries. Besides the automatic writing was heart breathing. And I would breathe as if my chakra could breathe cosmic heart and cosmic love. Excuse me. No, go ahead. Take your time. You can even repeat it so you're not like. You don't <laughs> again. Um, the heart has layers and it's a heart-based practice. So you're going from bringing your <clears throat> awareness. I don't know why my voice is doing this. Sorry. Interesting. Um, you're going from a physical awareness of your heart with it as a pump, and you might feel your heartbeat, the rhythm of it, and have a sense of blood pulsating through you. And then you take your awareness and you drop in a little deeper into the emotional heart. And for a lot of people, <clears throat> It's a place of turbulence and we get stuck there. 
So the invitation when and only when you feel ready is to dive deeper and go underneath it into that spiritual heart and that stillness. When those portals are open as gateways to your intuition and to your knowing connected to your spirit and your soul, you have access to everything that unifies you in the field. The way I do it is I picture a point that's about 12 to 18 inches in front of my, um, my heart. And as I breathe in, I just let it bathe and caress those portals. Some days I can't get past the emotional heart. It's just too stirred up and I don't force it. Other times I make myself really disciplined to know that if I don't sit here for at least 21 minutes or something odd, 17 minutes, it's, I am, I'm making an excuse for myself. So I will tell myself, if it doesn't open, it doesn't open, but I'm going to be self-disciplined enough to at least allow for it to have the grace to open without coercing and forcing it. Mm -hmm. And then when it opens, it's like this amazing feeling of a passageway that's just clear, like this tunnel of light where you're connected with your knowing there's less effort. It's more flow. I feel like when I'm efforting, there's this way that my physical posture, and I can feel it now just because I, I know that I'm more on, on camera, but my, my chest and my ribs come forward and my, my neck and my chin come forward. And I'm always telling myself, come right here right now. And in that alignment with the spine, I'm not efforting. I'm not reaching for the answer in so much of the way our education system is where you're reaching for the right answer, you're just, what you're reaching for or available for is just connection. And then connection will start taking pictures in your mind and speaking to you through emotions and the language of the soul. So it's a different language that's vibrational. And the way to have access to it is through a heart-centered practice. Oh, I love that. Is there a specific uh, practice that aside from the breathing in, um, I love the visual that you gave. Um, is there, I don't want to say, I mean, if, if there is a specific type of practice or a specific type of length of practice that we should be practicing, is this something that needs to happen every day? Or is this something that happens, you know, whenever you feel called? I, I think if you really want to be good at it and you're determined, I think doing it consistently really helps. I think you can also create almost like this Pavlov's dog kind of a thing where if you do it at the same time every day, your body craves doing it just like it would crave exercise or crave a meal at that time. Um, so when I was practicing, I did it at the same time every day with my horse and I had just journals of questions I had asked him. And later after he passed, those were treasures because I realized he was my teacher for it. So you can literally sit and choose which one of your animals seems to be more inclined to have that kind of a connection with you. And, and you'll find one, one animal might be a better partner for like an active based kind of a connection. And maybe you go running with that animal or hiking. Another one likes the quietude and that might be an easier place for you to open yourself up to, but really it's writing without holding back. It's really the feeling of not holding back in an inhibitory way 
um, the emotions and the feelings and sensations that you're picking up. And so doing it every day is actually a beautiful practice. I've never been one to say should around length of time or anything. I just, I keep, as long as it feels good to feel, I stay with it. There, it's really interesting because the way intuition feels when it opens, there's also a very organic way to how it feels when it closes. Mm. You'll just feel like it's done. It's, it's done. It's complete. There's a sense of completion. There's no more information. You would be going, moving into striving and that's not the point. Right. Oh, I can totally relate to that because I, that's definitely how I practice in the morning. I just kind of let, I, I don't, I used to time it before, but that was only because 10 minutes in, I'm like, okay, I'm done. But, <laughs> but now I just, I don't even actually know how some days I want to go longer and other days I know it's not as long, but there is that entry point where I feel at least going into that serenity. I love that you're saying the mind, heart, what is it? The coherence. Yes. And the minute that I feel that I just try and hang out there as long as I can, but there definitely is a feeling of completion the minute that I'm done and I can, you know, get up or read my book or do something that's going to just bring me back to getting grounded and feeling here, you know, just being able to, um, enter back into society. I always tell Tori, I'm like, don't talk to me until after I've done my practice because I feel like I really, I've been doing it for so long that way where it's the first thing that I do um, just to be able to greet the day, so to speak. So um, I really love that. For the people that are listening to this, do you work with people? Do you do one-on-one? Like if people want to learn more, where, where can they go or how can they reach you? Yes. So my, uh, my, all, on all my platforms, it's the same. It's Nikki Cuthbertson. And um, it, there's uh, the Facebook one is intuitive soul support for humans and their animals. But I do one-on-ones and I do teach classes and, and webinars. Um I, I'm going back to something you said, and I know it's not answering your question, but I really felt it with your yoga practice. Um, when you're cultivating presence, and I think that that's what the gift of communicating with the animals is, is um, in presence, you're not in the future and you're not in the past. And that moment that you enter kind of this doorway of this eternal moment, you'll always be able to feel and find your loved ones on the other side. And I think it's really important because there's this way that a lot of us strive and reach for trying to use a technique with an agenda, but it's the same way you listen. It's without an agenda. And the whole purpose of not having an agenda other than maybe a light intention around connection is it gives you permission to step into now. Wow. I love that. So beautiful. I want to have you on again. Please come back and do this show again. I, I feel like everybody that's listening to this, especially those of you that are into this topic as much as I am, are going to want Nikki to come back. So I'll put um, the links to all everything that you just mentioned in the info button of this particular podcast, and you can get it wherever you get your podcast. Just go to the info section and all of the links that Nikki mentioned will be there. So you can directly Um, go visit her and book your session with her there. I I feel like for me, it's going to be an ongoing 
uh, an ongoing relationship because I, like I said, really gained so much value from our conversation and it really allowed the door to healing to begin for me. So I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for Eileen to have put us in touch. And um, I'm going to ask you one final question and it's pertaining to this podcast and why I created the podcast. The whole idea was I want to create a place for people to go to, to get inspired, to feel supported. And the whole idea is that we are radically loved by God, source, universe, whatever higher power of your understanding that the universe works for us and not against us. And so the final question to you is, how do you feel radically loved? Mm, Boy, with the hindsight I have in my life, I realize no matter how challenging and hard my life has been, none of it would have, I wouldn't be who I am. And so for me, feeling radically loved means that I can see purpose in everything that I have lived to make me who I am. And feeling that radically loved has taken me out of anything that was my victimhood into really trusting in the divine plan. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nikki. We're so grateful for you. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your wisdom and your love and for everything that you do for all the animals everywhere. Thank you so much. Please come back and see us again. Thank you. (laughs) Hey everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.